If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Before we get to the episode this week, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. We talked about it in a bonus episode last month, and we'll definitely be talking about it in future episodes too. Abortion is a basic healthcare need for the millions of people who can become pregnant. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This Supreme Court decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions. If you or someone you know needs help, or if you want to get more involved through donating, volunteering or protesting, or if you just want more information please go to choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a man who exudes some real small dick energy to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is subverted support, which is something that Trump would wear. (laughs) Subverted support is when... Instead of focusing on whether an argument or a claim is valid or true, yeah. you focus on the reasons that a thing is happening. Right. So, for example, you might focus on how aliens get here without ever really showing that aliens have ever got here. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'm immediately struck by um, the couple of books I have in my bookshelves, the Eric von Daniken, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Were the pyramids built yeah. by aliens? Things aliens did oh, when they were here. Does God exist? Yeah, all that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Things aliens, things what aliens did. And someone at the back puts a hand up and go, Hang on. Where are yeah. they then? Can you point to them? Yeah, I've missed them. Yeah, it yeah. is missing a vital step in even making the claim, really, in the first place. Right. It's, it's Basically, right. it's a form of begging the question because in right. order for any of the stuff that you're saying to be valid, you're assuming... The conclusion, essentially. You're assuming this thing is true. We don't need to discuss that. Yeah. Here's the detail. Here's the detail. <laughs> here's, the, here's all the stuff about it. So you're focusing on all the attendant stuff rather than the person going, yeah, yeah wait a minute. Is what you're saying then <laughs> this? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So our first Trump example comes from a rally where he was talking about critical race theory. Getting critical race theory out of our schools is not just a matter of values. It's also a matter of national survival. We have no choice. The fate of any nation ultimately depends upon the willingness of its citizens to lay down, and they must do this, lay down their very lives to defend their country. 
If we allow the Marxists and communists and socialists to teach our children to hate America, there will be no one left to defend our flag or to protect our great country or its freedom. By focusing on how important it is that we get critical race theory out of schools, he conveniently ignores the fact that there isn't critical race theory in schools. Yes. Yeah. He doesn't uh, he, and he therefore doesn't part. need to address yeah. that aspect of no. it or kind of may offer any evidence for it existing or anything like that. Yeah. But by just focusing on it's it's vitally important to the point where we must fight to the death. Yeah. And, um, and people to, must to, do it. To yeah. get it out it's of a, schools. It's not just an expectation, but you have to do uh-huh. it. You must do um, it. in fact to be fair that it's been reported this speech a lot as as trump claims people must fight to the death to get critical right. race theory out of schools and i kind of just did it but really in context if you listen to it what he's saying is if we have critical race theory then the marxist and communists who teach our children will teach them to hate our country yeah. and then the people who hate our country won't fight for it yeah and and the own and we have to you know, to have a valid country, we have to have people who will fight for it. So we yeah. can't let that happen in a way. So he's not, he's not quite, it's implied in a way that, that that's what we've got to fight for with our lives. It's almost a second assertion, isn't it? That, yeah. he's, that he's not having to bother about making. He's yeah. just assuming that everybody knows that. Everybody, yeah, everyone knows you have to lay down your life for the country in the face of Marxist teaching people to hate the country so that should push come to shove, nobody will lay down their life in front of the flag. It's a very rhetorical device, isn't it? That he's kind of skipped over the the trigger, if it, as as it were. Yeah, the inconvenience of of showing that a thing yeah. really exists. Yeah, <laughs> he's gone past that bit and gone straight to the the bit that will stir up the crowd. Mm-hmm. He's missed past, yes, the slight inconvenience of having to actually have something that actually exists. As as the problem that you're talking about, he's gone over that and he's gone straight to rabble rousing. That and speaking of 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 things that don't exist, uh, here he is talking about election fraud in 2020. The mail-in voting scam is the latest part of their four-year effort to overturn the results of the 2016 election, and it's been like living in hell. Our opponents have proven many times, again and again, that they will say and do anything to get back into power. The corrupt forces who are registering dead voters and stuffing ballot boxes are the same people who have perpetrated one phony and fraudulent hoax after another. It has been like living in hell since he was elected in 2016, but not for the reasons he thinks. That's right, yeah. But essentially, first of all, he's arguing in a way that people were trying to overturn the results of the 2016 election. He made this claim repeatedly during the Russia investigation, which was never in any way either possible or what it was about. No. Because had everything about Russia been proved to everyone's satisfaction to the point where he had been impeached, successfully convicted and prosecuted and whatever... Yeah. Pence would have just got in as, as yeah, president. yeah. So it wouldn't yeah. have overturned the results of the election. No, he just as far as the Republicans president. won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But that's how he saw it, was they were trying to overturn the, the 2016 election and their method of doing that included registering dead voters and all of that kind of stuff, none of which happened. No. Um, and, and presupposes that there was this massive fraud. And those examples of that actually happening have been perpetrated by the Republicans. Yeah, by, by Republicans, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. In pretty much every case we've yes, seen. So, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, essentially, this is the entire thing of what the 2000 Mules documentary does. Yeah. Is it, it tells you how the fraud yeah. was perpetrated. It doesn't even do that. But it, yeah. but it purports to do that, all the while ignoring the, the need to prove that it actually happened. Yes, that, yeah, that, yeah. That yeah. there was fraud. Yeah. And... Now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. In the news this last fortnight or so, um, Boris has gone to Rwanda to try and escape media scrutiny, but he was followed by Channel 4's Christian Gurumurthy, who we've come across before, who he was the interviewer that Gove said um, people have had enough of experts too. So he's quite a, a sharp kind of interviewer he doesn't fall in with the bullshit and i realized that boris uses this fallacy this um i want to call it perverted support but it's this subverted support fallacy because what he tries to do by telling you how he's fixing stuff how he's addressing the problem he asserts what the problem is and in doing so, he's actually gaslighting the entire country into believing that the problem that they think are going on aren't the problem at all. So what he will do is say, yeah, we're doing this, we're working on... We're, and his, his well-worn phrase is, we're getting the job done, we're doing the job of government, we're getting the work done to combat these issues, and this is how we're doing it. And from that, you have to extrapolate... Well, wait a minute. So what are you saying the issues are? And in this case, he's trying to get Krishnan to accept the assertion that what's wrong with the country is the need for energy and transport reform. You're, you're on the you right track to lose you... the next election catastrophically right now. I mean, the country is facing this massive economic crisis. And we've got three strikes yeah. this week. So the... And pe the people are saying, what on earth is the government doing? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. So on reforming the, the energy markets, we're getting on with that. You need to have much more supply. We need to rectify the gross mistakes of previous Labour governments that didn't invest in nuclear. We're building a nuclear uh, reactor every year. But all that your political sorry, you, 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 sorry, you... Well, I'm not... Yes, you, 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 you can't just... You do, you, you don't, all your political you bandwidth both ways, Krishnan. is you, taken up with the European Court of Human Rights, with breaking the law on the Northern Ireland Protocol, with privatising Channel 4... All this stuff that doesn't matter to most people. I mean, these things are not priorities. Sorry, this is what you want when, to talk about. When there's an economic crisis. Sorry, this is what you want no, to talk about. No, it's what you're doing. It's what let, you spend all your time Let me tell you, this, on the contrary, I'm talking about what we're doing to reform the energy markets, the, the way, no, the this way is, things this work. Is not, well, we're so, not talking about energy markets right now. We'll do that another time. I mean, th this is a bigger picture question, which is whether you can carry on leading the Conservative Party because you were a winner and now you're losing catastrophically. You've had three terrible by-election losses. And your colleagues are saying it's time to get rid of him. That's the main issue, is he's lost the by-election. But he's, he's skipping over that and saying... Uh, and he's also skipping over the fact that there's, you know, a massive cost-of-living crisis currently in the UK, probably in the US as well, but most of Europe. 
and we had transportation strikes going on and the government aren't doing anything about it. He actually says to me, what are you doing about it? I said, well, I'll tell you what we're doing. What we need to do is bring about some reform. Yeah, it's, it's about, it's about Labour not having invested yeah, in nuclear. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. was Labour last in? in? Yes, 12 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's right. And you think, OK, so... It all right, yeah, feel yeah, yeah. like that's what people are worried no, about right no, now. that's right. <laughs> Nor are these things that he's saying he's going to bring about the reform in. Nor are they the things that they're actually... Like Krishnan says, yes, your political bandwidth is taken up with... He also talks about culture wars and sowing division and privatising Channel 4. I mean, spoiler alert, it's already private. Um, and the breaking the Northern Ireland Protocol and arguing that the European Court of Human Rights is to blame for the refugee crisis. All of that stuff. So that's the noise. Bloody human making. rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bloody human rights. Coming over here, coming over here, giving people rights as if they're thinking they're humans. Yeah. And that's so that's so there are three things going on. There's the stuff that's really troubling people. There's the noise that they're making about all the culture war stuff, which is Channel 4, Human Rights, uh, Northern Ireland Protocol. And then there's the things that Boris says they're addressing. And those things are because Labour's to blame. So it, it's no wonder they want to privatise Channel 4 and effectively shut it down because Christian Gurumurthy is the only one, to, the only journalist to say to them to just stop them. At one point in that interview, Boris said, look, I'm talking to you exclusively about these <laughs> things. Like, it was, like you're supposed to roll over and go, oh, we've got an exclusive. You know, but it's the same bullshit that we get from Boris when, when he gets challenged on just delivering the press release as an exclusive or otherwise, he then says, no, no, that's what you want to talk about, not what <laughs> the people want to talk about and, and for the people read what I want to talk about. Yeah. Which... The thing is, when, when as a politician or any kind of celebrity, frankly, you go on a, an interview show, yeah. what the interviewer wants to talk about is how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get to ask questions. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you want to talk about. Well, yeah, because this is my interview. Yeah, no, well, I don't. That's, and it just proves that Boris is extraordinarily uncomfortable in talking to anybody outside of the Yes Men or the Westminster Theatre of the Parliament. Okay, so this next example is Sky News' Kay Burley is trying to, I think what she's trying to do is, is generate support. She's effectively in the Boris Johnson seat at this point. So she is, although she's ostensibly um, the journalist. Technically a journalist. Technically Kay a journalist. Yeah. It's a fine, <laughs> insofar as... She, she's in front of us. She's on a news. She's on yeah, a program on with the, the word news in the news title. News in it. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, or employed by a company that's that called news, got news in the company uh -huh. name. Yeah. What she does is kind of reflect the press release. She's she's the media voice. That's why Boris was disappointed, I think. Uh, he's always disappointed about going on Channel 4. That's why he's disappointed by uh, Christian Gurumurthy. 
because when he says, look, I've given you an exclusive on this and I've, all I want you to do is just to allow me to trot out what I've learned, the press yeah. release. And That's what he gets on Sky News. Yeah. Why yeah. can't he have on Channel 4? Yes, exactly. <laughs> on Sky News, I'm allowed. I could just come on here and I could trot out a thing and they go, okay, yeah, can you, can you tell us what it is that you're doing to bring about these reforms? Yeah, rather than, well, why are you doing that? There's 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 a hidden assertion here, Mr. Prime Minister, that these are the problems when clearly they're bloody not, which is Krishna Gurumurthy's stance. They're not the problems and they're not even the ones that you talk about most of the time. So why are you doing it now? As Kay Burley just goes, yeah, the floor is yours. Tell us why you're so great and tell us, you know, so I can continue to be paid. And... Um, so she's up against uh, Mick Lynch, who is the head of the RMT union, the Rail Maritime Transport Workers Union, who are currently on strike, or they're currently in negotiations for better pay and better uh, work conditions because they're having changes imposed upon them by the companies that run the uh, rail maintenance and the rolling stock um, currently in the UK. And Kay Burley, what she is trying to do is uh, assert that, or well, she's skipping over the need to assert that striking and picketing are just bad. They're just bad things. What she's yeah. inherently, um, in, problem inherently problematic. Inherently problematic. <laughs> apparently, yes, because she's implying, because she says, I'm, well, you'll hear her, she says, you know, I'm, I'm older than I look. You know, and he kind of, actually, Mick Lynch, Mick Lynch is very it's polite. He, credit. Yeah, he, he doesn't giggles <laughs> at that point. He yeah. doesn't rise to the bait. And then she talks, she says, oh, well, it's the minor strike. And what's great is he's standing outside Euston Station and behind him, there are like six RMT workers in high-vis jackets. <laughs> Members of the public walk up to them and shake their hands. <laughs> That's the, whilst it's, he's on it camera. It couldn't possibly be a more peaceful no, no, demonstration. Go, she said, well, <laughs> precisely what goes on. What, what is going on? Tell me what's going on. And he said, well, I don't, what are you implying with this line of questioning? Well, I don't know. I'm just asking questions. You know, and you think, oh, yeah. And, he said, and he just and he steps to one side and kind of gestures. He said, "Well, you can see what's going on. <laughs> that that's what's going on. Well, it's not the miners' strike, is it? Look, that's what's going on. There's no policemen on horses thrashing the heads of striking miners week after week. You just go. We'll just ask people not to go to work and uh, tell them why." The government is saying that they are going to bring in agency workers. My question to you is, what will they do if agency workers try to cross those picket lines? Well, we will picket them. What do you think we'll do? We run a picket line and we'll ask them not to go to work. Do you not know how a picket what line works? What they do anyway? I very much know how a picket line works. I'm much older than I look, uh, Mr Lynch. Uh, what, will we, what will picketing involve? Picketing is standing outside the workplace to try and encourage people who want to go to work not to go to work. What else do you think it involved? Well, I just wondered what else it might involve because I very well remember uh, the picket well, lines where, of the 1980s, where are you going with your... Mr Lynch. I'm asking you which what your members you would about? do, Mr which, Lynch. Which picket lines are you talking uh, the about? Minor the minor strikes. Minor strikes. Yeah. Well, does it look like the minor strikes? <laughs> What no, are it you doesn't, Mr about? Lynch, but I'm just asking you what you expect your members yeah, to do. But your questions if are, are, are working into the nonsense. I'm we asking you... We can pick it as effectively no, as we can. 
And what does that involve? There it is. That's what it involves. So you won't stop, ag you won't stop agency workers crossing the picket line? We will try to stop agency workers crossing the picket line by asking them not to go to work. What is it you're suggesting we will and if do? They, I'm just trying to clarify exactly what, what your membership is. You're trying to clarify. I've answered the I'm question about you. six times. If there okay. are people trying not to cross to my the picket satisfaction, line, so I'm we ask them again. not to cross I'm it. Asking, perhaps I could just ask it just once more, see how you feel about it. If agency workers want oh. to cross the picket lines so that people can go about their work and their business and travel around the country, your members will ask them not to cross. If they continue to want to cross, then you will allow them to do so. Yes or no? We won't allow them to do so. It's up to them whether they do so or not. We will ask them, under the laws of this land, not to cross the picket line and not to be strike breakers. But if, if agency workers think they can go into a signalling centre or operate a train, they're going to have a bit of a problem, aren't they? So what do you think these agency workers are going to do when they report and have crossed the picket line? They're not trained um, to do the work. Sure. She's implying that the picket lines are dangerous, frightful places where people get injured and battened by the police. But the thing she says will happen won't. And Mick Lynch, is, he just dismantles it by saying, pointing out that she's not giving us... She's not making the assertion that she's then providing the support for. So he's, mm. he just keeps going back. He says, well, what are you implying? What, what is it? Where are you going with this line of questioning? He's literally asking her, what is it you're asserting? In, and then you're trying to back me into the corner with. You're trying to associate me with. I mean, the question that she's working extremely hard not to <laughs> not outright to ask yeah. is, yeah. how violent are you prepared yeah. to get? <laughs> yes, exactly. And then... And when and when he says, "What are you implying? Wait, this isn't the minor strike." She just goes, "Mr. Lynch, Mr. <laughs> Lynch." And he goes, if that's even your real name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And then he says, then she says, "Well, I'll ask it once more and see how you feel about it." Well, he's plainly he's quite amused. He's not irritated or anything. He's not he's not the irascible demon that Arthur Scargill was made out to be by the then Tory government in the 80s. He's, just, he's a very pleasant, very lucid um, union representative. He's the perfect union rep because he talks in terms of this very reasonably. This is what my uh, the, the job, the work conditions that my members are currently working under. We haven't had a pay rise for three years. Um, you're asking for a pay restraint, and we we haven't been we haven't had a pay rise for three years. We and and even Boris in Prime Minister's questions today, no Wednesday last week, said that the taxpayers supported the transport system all through um, the the pandemic, and they didn't. They weren't furloughed. They came into work. The transportation system continues to work throughout the pandemic because that's how um, hospital workers and, um, you know, essential workers, as they were termed, that's how they got to work. They were classed as essential workers. They had to go into work. They weren't subsidised by Rishi Sunak's furlough scheme. They went in. And, they're, and now they're complaining that 
um, there's a massive loss. I think, in fact, Kay Burley says there was a, there's a massive loss on the uh, transportation system. And he just goes, well, it's a massive loss because there was a pandemic and the government told everyone to stay at home. And so that's, you know, so uh, yeah. So, yeah, she tries that. He just li- di- di- quite deftly dismantles her reasoning by asking her what you're implying. And then, and then she says... You've, he asked, she asked him the question six times. He answers it six times. And then she says, you've not answered it to my satisfaction. And he, well, what, well, what is it you're suggesting we will do? <laughs> yeah, because he hasn't said, if an agency worker tries to cross the picket line, we'll we bash their head him in, in the, with the face. Yes, <laughs> that's right, yeah. We will tear him limb from limb. That's the answer that would satisfy. blame the workers, blame the bosses. Yeah, as well. I'm sorry, but you haven't you haven't answered <laughs> to my satisfaction. You, what you've not done is allow me. You've not given me the question I'm begging. Yeah, that's what she's complaining about. Is that your? I want you to make the thing that to assert the thing that I'm implying. Yes, without me having to do it. So that so that way she manages to stay an inverted commas impartial journalist. By election, notorious election, Labour Lib Dems and votes. Honiton and Wakefield, bit of insurrection, another senior colleague chokes. Chatting with the palace, get the jobs to carry, letters from the leaders just go. Hiding in Rwanda, pretending he's a panda, grilled by Chris and no notes. The emperor is naked, no one can stand to fake it. The fat, greasy goose is cooked, his popularity wanes, better keep feigning. Everything's fine, don't look. Always look dishevelled, nothing yet re-level, no Brexit benefit spied. Pretending to be mild, but attack him like a child. Using fallacies in the wild. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. Reasons to be cheerful, one, two, three. Hey, and Jurian, the blockhead's here with Reasons to be cheerful, part three. And in the fallacy of the while, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week, as it is sometimes, is from Friends. Yay! In celebration of your Lego completion. Yeah, yeah, I finished the Friends apartments. They're so good, aren't they? Yeah. So this is an episode where Phoebe thinks that a cat has been possessed by the spirit of her dead mum, Lily. And she's recently found and connected with her actual birth mum, played by Terry Garr, who's also called Phoebe, I think. Perfect casting. Yeah, brilliant. And he's kind of feeling a little bit guilty about the kind of that new relationship and it kind of maybe taking away from her relationship with her mum, Lily. So, Phoebe, how long is your mum going to be with us? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess until she, you know, gets used to the fact that there's, you know, a new mum. She's worried that she's gonna, she's gonna be replaced. Well, that's not gonna happen, is it? No. Okay, I have to return a call in the other room. Well, I can't use the phone in here. Well, I'm returning a call from a certain mom at the B E A C H. I just spelled the wrong word. That's the other unspoken assertion that cats can't spell. <laughs> yeah, in yeah the, absolutely. In the, yeah. So, yeah, rather than make any attempt to prove 
that yeah. the cat is possessed and by Lily's spirit. Yeah. The point she is making is why it's happening and, and how and why she might then leave is when she gets used to the idea that yeah. that new Phoebe mum is about. And um so it's all yeah, it's about the reasoning of of why Lily has found her at this point and possessed this cat and and what what will stop it rather than yeah in any way kind of trying to show that it's real at all which is what Ross has against it largely yeah it, yeah largely yeah. <laughs> so our second example in this section comes from Dr Oz before hey. he was a um Pennsylvania political candidate uh, this was when he was let's call it a doctor okay <laughs> on TV <laughs> a bit like Dr. Teeth. Yeah, yeah, mayhem, yeah. Is, a, is a doctor. I mean, he's yeah. wearing scrubs in the clip. Um, but, right. But, I mean, this was long past the point where he'd ever actually kind of been practising medicine in any real sense. <laughs> and, and, yeah, he yeah. was just pushing quackery. And we are embarking on this whole new a vista of opportunities it broadens dramatically the spectrum of where we might be able to go in our bodies and this is the area of energy medicine and joining me today today is pamela miles pamela's actually been to the operating room with me what we have done reiki and you're a reiki master my, you know my wife lisa's reiki master so when the kids get sick uh, when i'm out of sorts she actually comes by i can't even tell when she's treating me sometimes she secretly treats me she thinks i'm in a bad mood and i see hands moving around but i actually feel the heat um, and I, if you don't mind, maybe we can do some Reiki. And Certainly. Have you had Reiki therapy before? I have not. Okay, so once you try it, and as you're doing it, if you don't mind explaining, Pamela, a little bit about Reiki. Certainly. Reiki is a balancing practice. And so rather than addressing the headache or whatever else is the problem, what it does is it influences the person's overall system toward balance. And then as her system becomes more balanced, symptoms tend to fall away. Then over time, uh, for example, if, if you get headaches, you know, you may find that you get them less frequently. At no point do they actually say, yeah, Pamela, how does it work? <laughs> yeah. Does it work? Well, does it work? Is does the key. it work? Yeah. How does it work? What do you do? Is, is, the, is the question they ask instead of, does it work? Yeah. Well, it doesn't even go. Um, as, it's as, implied. It just says, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, a, talk, talk around, use some words <laughs> to, to, to describe yeah. this thing. The implication with, with all of these things, when, when they are presenting alternative therapies on these shows, and, and Dr. Oz did it for years on the Oprah show and on his yeah. own show, and, I mean, he's just one of many people who do this. The implication is it works, and now we're going to talk about, you know, the benefits you get from it. What and you the, do. And, yes, and, yes, yeah. yeah. Like all what of that happens stuff. when we do it, yeah. There isn't ever the question on these shows of does it work? It's always just assumed. And, I mean, in case it wasn't clear from that clip, if you haven't encountered Reiki before, it is what regular doctors like to call bullshit. Yeah, well, and he, he kind of hints about that, even as an irregular <laughs> doctor as Dr Oz is. He hints about that. He says, sometimes when I'm in a bad mood, I see some hands waving. Yeah, yeah, I can't even that. tell she's... Like doing treating it. I, me, but I with but it. I feel the heat. That could just be, <laughs> yeah. you know, she's breathing down your neck, or yeah. you're just you left the oven on and, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's branding you with a fish slice that's yeah. been under the grill. Yeah, um, it's it's not even the laying on of hands. This no. therapy, no. because there isn't. It's not involving touching. It's kind of waving your hands around someone. But the the I mean my my ex sister in law 
was a Reiki master, is still presumably a Reiki right. master, and and it it is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard. It is to the point where it's. I mean, it's kind of genius because mm-hmm. it is a therapy that people will pay for, and it can be done at a distance. Yeah, you can do it, it like it, over the phone, over the internet. Or so not even talking about it, they will just do it. They'll yeah, just yeah. Say, oh yeah, yeah. I'll do that for yeah. you. There's literally you, no way of it. showing that you've done anything at all. No. So no. you can just take money from people, say you've done it, and there's n- they cannot say I don't believe you did anything. Let's give up the podcasting thing. <laughs> just do Reiki. Why have we not thought about this? before it's such it, well bullets. yeah I've, it's something to do with our critical thinking <laughs> yeah yeah with, you know it's, it's a betrayal of all integrity, that integrity that yeah bullshit yeah, yeah. As, as dr oz says it does allow us to explore other parts of our bodies yes yeah that, yeah you know and you kind of go well okay yeah uh-huh. the, what the, the bullshit not, not, areas not the brain not the brain, no. Yeah. No. He <laughs> said, yes, you have come into surgery with me and done Reiki. And that, that was the most frightening bit. Said, what? Yeah. Right. yeah. For the surgery, I don't want something. Why have you bothered even going in? Why did you stand outside? Why did you just phone it in? Yeah. That's a, don't go into the flipping operating theatre. Yes, I want people wielding bits of steel, you know, cold, mm. yeah, sharp blades. Yeah. Don't want people to come in and go... It's about rebalancing. People, people who believe in the germ theory of disease rather than that that you get energy blockages because of negative thoughts. Yeah. And yes. and that somehow exactly. waving your arms around can can release can, that and make you Yeah. You know, move your system to more overall balance. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game, it's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. You see, so magnanimous as I am in my continued victory in playing this game, I'm going to explain because it's it, what it is is because it's something that Wilhelm Reich taught me. It's called Ayurvedic message transference. It's an ancient um, autonomic genetic predilection that my species has for success right and that that that's that's how that's you've managed to win so how much i've managed to win right constantly yeah yeah okay yeah yeah <laughs> so trump put out a a 12 page statement in response to oh my god yeah the january 6th committee right. hearings these yeah. these are not from that statement because I right. looked at it thinking, oh, this is yeah. going to be gold. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's literally no chance Trump wrote that. No, it, it was it contained some coherent thoughts. Right, and knowing, knowing as we did from from Bob Woodward's book that he was talked out of doing anything other than making a written statement because they could <laughs> write it for him. Yeah. 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 So oh, wow. uh, so I looked at that and then dismissed it because it's just too <laughs> it's too coherent. Yeah. Uh, so these yeah are instead from a speech he gave at the Faith and Freedom Coalition conference mm, where right. he talked to all of the the kind of conservative evangelical uh, yeah, Christians more in really, the room. Yeah. Um yeah, uh, yeah. about in part the January 6th committee. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit responding to to the stuff that he was accused of, which we will talk about anon. 
Yes. Statement number one. CNN yesterday, did you see what happened? They came out with a strong statement that they are prohibited, totally prohibited from using the term the big lie. They're not allowed to use it anymore. You know why? Because they know that the big lie is actually the big lie in reverse. And they have great liability and they don't want to use it, but they came down with an edict. Mm. Statement number two. It's like the Russia hoax. Russia, Russia, Russia. In fact, if you want the truth, it's worse than the Russia hoax. And Shifty Schiff is in this one as well. Remember he totally made up a call I made. It was a perfect call and he lied about it. Well, now he's lying about great people like Jim Jordan. He totally fabricated a tweet. But that's what these people do. They're corrupt, sick, evil people. Okay. Shifty Shift makes a reappearance. Statement three. Mm Mm-hmm. The unselects. So I call them the unselect, and they act like, oh, they never mention it. I think it's one of the great... They'd never mention it. Someday they'll give me credit for that term. I had a lot of good terms. We had a lot of good nicknames, didn't we? Didn't we have great nicknames? I think it's one of the best. I don't know. It's not catching on because they won't let it catch on. Oh, there you go. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You see, there's no there's no news on the internet about contrails because they won't let them put it on there. Yeah. Okay, well, I was, mm, I was quite taken with that one as being real because it's got his usual changes of thought. It's one of the great... They never mentioned it. Someday they give it credit for that. And then a lot of good nicknames is put me off and then shifty shift perfect call okay the big lie actually big line reverse as i always call it the big line reverse <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that common term uh as the saying goes they're great liability that sounds very trump like as opposed to jim like which also sound very trump like um Ah, uh, see, yeah, I'm a bit, a little bit suspicious of their look good nicknames. Okay, despite my suspicions. Oh dear, no. I, okay, I think I'm going to go. F- oh yeah, I'm going to go for. Oh no, I'm going to regret whichever. Shifty shift. Uh, uh. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go for that. Okay. I think number two is the one that you made up. Okay. So of the other two, which are you yep. more convinced by? More convinced by the CNN, the big line reverse. Okay. So number one. Yeah. Is. Yeah. yeah. Real. CNN yesterday. Did you see what happened? They came out with a strong statement that they are prohibited, totally prohibited from using the term, the big lie. They are not allowed to use it anymore. You know why? Because they know that the big lie is actually the big lie in reverse. And they have great liability. And they don't want to use it, but they came down with an edict. Is it needless to say that they don't... That isn't true? Oh, yeah, that's completely false, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The big lie is this big lie about <laughs> their... Big lie. No, I mean, no this is a small. Lie. This is a small lie about the big about them. Yeah, lie, about the big lie. About the big lie. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was there, there's there's a new president of CNN, Chris Licht, and right. he did in a staff meeting say that his preference would be that they avoided using the term the big lie. 
mm-hmm. he made it very clear in the meeting that it was a preference, not a mandate. Is it because he had a different? He had a, a more for preferred term. Yeah, the he, enormous lie. He the, his problem with it was not that they know it's not really a big lie and they have liability about it at yeah. all. It was that the big lie, the term the big lie, is too associated with Hitler. Right. And as yeah. a news organisation, okay. he thought, yeah. let's not invoke Hitler that much. Yeah. Um, so his suggestions as alternatives were that yeah. they use the terms Trump election lie right. yeah, fair enough. or election lies. Yeah. The problem, obviously, with those is that they don't narrow it down nearly enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, we know right. what the big lie means. The big lie yeah, is the big lie, there that, was massive election yeah. fraud in 2020. Yeah. But Trump has All told ones, many, many little, election many, lies. lies. Yeah. Yes. And yes. Yeah. And then yeah, and just calling them the Trump election lies. No, that doesn't doesn't narrow it down. Doesn't narrow it down at hardly all. at all. No. No. That's right. Yeah. We've got okay, amongst all the lies, the really big one yeah, that one that's you know sticking up over there. Yeah, that one, the big lie. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the one we don't want to talk about. And yeah. consequently, CNN have continued to use the big lie ever since yeah. that yeah. meeting. They've still done it, just basically just as much as they ever were doing it, because because it has become a thing that people understand as yeah. talking it, about it, this election fraud. And actually, idea. the association with Hitler is probably it's not that bad. And it's, yeah, I mean, no, and it's only yeah. it's it could you know it's been superseded. And it's only in the minds of historically aware social commentators that that's troubling. Yeah. And and Trump is neither <laughs> aware, historical, nor a social commentator. No. So it no. doesn't give... No. If anything, it's making Hitler look worse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. So, and yeah. I mean, and no one's really to... going to complain about that now. And no, exactly. Yeah. So, it's, mm, yeah. But, is it, I don't think anyone I've heard anyone say <laughs> Hitler will be turning in his grave. No, well, mm. yeah, I've said it. <laughs> so yeah, time it's ever said. You also right. think that number three is real? Uh, yeah. Well, up until seven minutes ago, I did. Yes. And I number, think three. number three is real. Yeah, is real. Oh, what the unselects? So I call them the unselects, and they act like oh. They never mention it. I think it's one of the great. They never mention it. Someday they'll give me credit for that term. I had a lot of good terms. We had a lot of good nicknames, didn't we? Didn't we have great nicknames? I think this is one of the best. I don't know. It's not catching on because they won't let it catch on. On my TikTok feed, there's this... um, Well, it isn't the one that did Drunk Trump. Oh, it may well actually be. But there's this comedian, uh, a woman... Who who does lip syncing to irascible um, male centered male and male comedians, and she does this kind of lip syncing to it, and it it highlights both the com- comedy of the content and also the misogyny of the delivery, and it sounds exactly like that. <laughs> it's Trump yeah. being the cruise ship comedian again, isn't it? You know, they go, some, yeah. yeah, it's a great term, the unselect. I call them the unselect. Quite a good name for a band. It'd probably be a kind of ska revival band, wouldn't it? So I call them the unselect. I think it's one of the great ones. They never, they never someday mention- they'll Why give me credit for that. They know they would. Why would yeah. they ever mention, oh, by the way, Trump calls us the unselect committee. What the, f- yeah. in what universe would they ever bring it up? Yeah, exactly. and, and why, and why sufficient, for somebody to say, 
Who came up with that term? Yeah. That's a brilliant term. Yeah, because he's term not getting credit for this thing that using. only he ever says. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like he said, as the saying goes, and then comes up with the saying <laughs> yeah. that nobody has ever made except him. But he also thinks the reason look this brilliant picnic... they won't let it. Which is just him adding on to then to, to who they are. Yeah. Is it's, it's not like, catching on? Yeah, because it's they won't let stupid. it catch on. As if an as if anyone has been able to avoid getting a nickname by just not yeah. letting it catch on. Yeah, or the, or deliberately going out of their way to kind of police it, like Sony does <laughs> YouTube. You know, they're going to go. Well, you see, if someone's going to start using a negative version of what we're called, then we're going to have to pursue that. As if we own the copyright. What is he talking so about? I don't know. Bizarre. It's one of the best. It's one of the best. It's, it's not even. It's I not, mean, he's none of these nicknames. His are nicknames good. are all shit. None of them. This is not one of even the better ones. <laughs> one of the least shit ones. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Didn't we have great nicknames? No. I think it's one of the best. Okay. It's not catching on because they won't let it. Stop trying to make unselects happen. Yeah. Uh, so number yeah. two. You correctly oh. deduced hey. was yeah. was fake news. It's it's not it's not entirely dissimilar to stuff he has complained about. Yeah, about it's kind of, the it's uh, kind of greatest hits, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He plays the hits. Yeah, yeah. Um, is is Shifty Shift involved? In... Shifty Shift is in the January sixth committee, and uh, Trump yeah, has claimed yeah. that that Schiff fabricated a text or tampered with a text or something like that. Yeah. That Jim Jordan made in fact he quoted verbatim the the text but just left off like the last line or something which did not in any way change the meaning of the text at all it's just like because he didn't read the whole thing or put the whole thing on screen that means that um he fabricated because basically he added a period instead of an ellipsis because it was a comma in the original one so so therefore yeah it's a complete fabrication and does and changes according to trump the meaning oh okay well, that's interesting isn't it because yeah, yeah, the weird, isn't it? the the summary of the muller thing um trump's representative kind of summarizing and let him off um, despite the fact that as many commentators pointed out you just got what well, there's a semicolon at the end of that sentence yeah. <laughs> why have you stopped there why have you stopped there so yeah. uh that means you did Hey! Get a an addition oh, right. to your score. It's, you're now on 46 out of 93, which is almost 50%, but not quite. Yeah. Nearly there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get, if you can make it, by the time you get... Well, if you... Yeah. It will be cool. By the time we get to 100. By the time we get to 100, if you can be over 50, 50, that'll be... Yeah. You've, you've still yeah, got that's plenty of time. Too, Seven it? whole episodes to, to yeah. try and get to, over 50. To really get... You only need four. four. Points. Yeah. For, well, okay. four right Rock would give you 50. So, yeah. Yeah. And now I've got to hold on to it. Yeah. How hard can it be? It's been impossible, (laughs) pretty much. Well, as we can see, plainly, from the score. Before we move on, I have a surprise announcement that Mark doesn't even know about. Oh. This episode is sponsored by our favourite podcast production tool, Zencaster. Is it? How marvellous is that? The reason I didn't tell Mark about this is that I wanted to get his genuine, unscripted, off-the-cuff feelings about Zencaster. So, Mark, how easy is Zencaster to use? Well, it's impossibly seamless. You kind of log on 
and up it pops. And actually, the new interface, because we've been using it for ages, the new interface is great because it just says, this is what you're using to speak through. This is what you're using to listen through. Here's what you look like on the screen. And the other bloke is already there. Click here and you're in. Basically, it's an all-in-one VoIP chat yeah. and studio quality recording tool. Yep. You can record yep. great audio or HD video with up to four guests. And sometimes when you hear a podcaster advertising something on their show, you might wonder, well, yeah, but do they actually use it? Do they actually use it? This yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. Or are they yeah. just getting paid to say this? We've well, we've used it forever. Not Yeah, not only have we used it since our very first episode, we're using it literally right now to tell you this. <laughs> to tell you that we're using it. Yeah. When the pandemic happened, actually one of the first tools I started touting around was, oh, well, we use Zencast for podcasting. We could just use yeah. that. Let's yeah. just, we just, you just send a link where you go and record it and all of that kind of stuff. And compared to some other tools that you could use for that kind of thing, it's, it's built basically ground up for podcasting. Yeah. I consult on a few other podcasts uh, mm -hmm. for complete beginners and I've always advised that they use Zencaster because it's just completely foolproof. And at yeah. the moment, Fallacious Trump listeners can get a two-week free trial and then 30% off their pro plan wow. for three months by going to zen.ai slash Fallacious Trump and using the promo code Fallacious Trump. Nice. There you go. You can start up your own podcast. There's nothing standing in your way now. And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Public Hearings and Not a Logical Fallacy, because in between our last recording and now, there have been now six public hearings of the January 6th committee, which is the part of the process, having spent months and months um, working through depositions and gathering evidence and talking to all kinds of different people. This is the bit where they present it to the public and try and make it into a narrative that not only tells the American people and people around the world, in fact, um, what went on on January 6th and what led up to it. But also they're telling the Department of Justice, who have said that they're watching these hearings, they are making the case for prosecutions and for things to be taken further. Just from a filmmaker's point of view, um, or even a you know online presentation point of view, it's perfect. It's, de it's delivered in a perfect way. In a very um, and the documentary style, if if it, if we can call it that, is very un-American. It's very, it's not narrative-led. This stuff just gets played out, and then there's an explanation afterwards, and then there's a kind of introduction of the next speaker, and so they've had yeah they've had documentary filmmakers on there, they've had uh, parliamentarians on there, they've had advisors and lawyers and they're all it's 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 slicker and more serious and actually is, more yeah, absorbing and it, and than it is the, made, the amber heard johnny depp thing. it is made for tv it is yeah um in fact they hired uh james goldston who was the former head of abc news to right. to produce the the live oh, well, broadcast yeah, yeah and i do wonder whether he also had any kind of input into their structure because mm. they have very much kind of done each each hearing has been on its own theme and kind yeah. of telling a, a discrete part of the story as if it is a a dramatic series yeah um, yeah and um 
yeah, it's it, it's been compelling. Um, mm. So the first one was kind of an overview. They have yeah. uh, Liz Cheney has featured very heavily. Um, she is the vice chair of the committee. Benny Thompson is the chair of the committee, and he's been been doing kind of mostly the introductions. But the opening statements in on several days have been left to Liz Cheney, um, yeah. and then they've had different members of the committee largely asking questions of the witnesses uh, on each day. There's been Adam Kinzinger, um, Adam Schiff, Zoe Lofgren. Um, I am absolutely sure Jamie Raskin will do one of the summing up days because right. he's awesome. He was he was on yeah. the uh, second impeachment, I think, team. Um, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, he will do very well when he does. But But they all so far have done a great job. Cheney, as much as we disagree with everything she stands for in terms of politics (laughs) yeah yeah um and i mean she she absolutely brought that home again when she came out saying essentially what a great result roe v wade being overturned was yeah um as much as she is an awful person she's on the right side of history in this and she is doing the right thing here yeah and in a way actually that is troubling for everyone on the right as well because she's the kind of well she's uh, to me she kind of occurs as the 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 equivalent of Liz Truss mm. kind of Liz Truss slash Nadine Dorries here in the UK who are hateful people who've got horrible right wing agendas and narcissistic narcissistic tendencies but are the darlings of the right. Yeah. So for Liz Cheney to then be uh, just kind of giving exegesis and a chapter and verse in a very straightforward yeah. way, and that what it does is remove any kind of accusations of a, the, the possible accusations of a, of an agenda. I mean. There's, <laughs> you'd like you to think, think that yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> but no, i mean she is yeah no she is she's absolutely being sure called a that. rhino despite the fact she voted yeah, with trump basically 98 percent of the time kinzinger yeah. are, i mean both both of their careers are probably over he is i think retiring because he realizes there's no chance he's going to get re-elected um yeah. she will be primaried at the moment i think she is trying in quite some vein to get um, Democrats to change uh, affiliation to independents so they can vote for her in her primary. Wow, yeah. Which yeah. I don't think is going to happen. She's going to probably lose her primary because, yeah, obviously yeah. any Republican that, that is in Trump's thrall is yeah. very much going go, to, is now against well, her. You, but, because she's she's a Judas. She's yeah. betrayed. But this has been, that, well, what I would say is this hasn't been a bipartisan hearing mm. because almost everyone who has given evidence has been republican yeah it has been unipartisan <laughs> yes on the, in the sense that there haven't been democrats saying how how bad trump was and how he definitely led to the attempted overthrow of the government it's almost yeah. entirely been republican witnesses yeah. which is which is a i'm sure an, a very conscious choice that they've made that a, a lot of the stuff that has come out has been stuff that if you've been paying attention for the last 10 months, you will already know about. Yeah. But there has also been a lot that you definitely won't have known about, and no matter yeah. how much attention you're paying. There have been revelations each 
each episode, each time, yeah. cheering. Yeah. There's been foreshadowing. There's been throwing forward. There's been twists at the end. Uh, there's yeah. been kind of next time on the public hearings we'll yeah. be hearing about yeah. this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's very it's very made for TV, and it but it's yeah. also very methodical, very prosecutorial, um, and full of video evidence, depositions, um, text evidence, and uh, and stuff directly linking the things they're trying mm -hmm. to link, rather than implying links. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. are they are very yeah. careful to say this happened because of this, yeah. and here's how yes. we can show that. Here's the yes. here's everything that you need to see that what happened here led directly to um, January sixth. Just going to go through the kind of the the six hearings and the kind of yeah. the main takeaways basically. So the first one was kind of an overview of the stuff you're going to hear. There was and and the the thrust of it really was um, what happened actually on the sixth with the Proud Boys particularly um, at yep. the Capitol, and uh, we had footage of of um, Bill Barr saying that all of the stuff that Trump was saying about the election fraud was BS. He said bullshit, and and they kind of were very coy about using that term in the in the committee itself, but yeah. but happy to play the clip multiple times during the hearings. Um, yeah. And they also played a clip of Ivanka um, saying that you know she she talked to Bill Barr and she respects him and she believed him when he said it was all bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. So wow. that must have been a bit of a blow to Trump. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so the first half of that of the first hearing was pretty much some footage of depositions and um, Liz Cheney's kind of opening statement of the of the whole process of saying what these are the things very prosecutorial again these are the things we're going to show you over the course of these hearings this is the the narrative that we are going to present to you and we will prove these things. Um, right. The second half of the first hearing was uh, witnesses a documentary filmmaker. A British guy called Nick Quested, um, and Capitol Police Officer Caroline Edwards. Um, Quested was uh, making a documentary about mm. the the, the election, boys. the Proud Boys, all of that yep. kind of stuff. Um, and so we saw footage of the insurrection that had never been released before. Um, Caroline Edwards was a Capitol Police officer who was kind of trying to hold the line essentially against the in the the incoming crowd and the proud boys yeah. and and was injured a couple of times and continued to do what she could to protect the capital um she was quite inspirational and um uh you know it was a, an emotional uh testimony that she gave mm. um i think she was a really good choice as a witness when you and i make the documentaries often you want one person to represent so you're you're Dealing with the, the thing, stuff that I've made, you know, you're dealing with a phenomena of flooding or famine or disease or uh, maternal child health um, issues, and it affects many hundreds, if not thousands, of people. But what you want is one representative yeah. to speak for them, and the the key is to find the right representative, particularly if you're doing uh, something to. It, get donors to give you money or to get governments to see where you're spending your money or 
to get campaigners to campaign on your behalf or governments to bring about changes. You want somebody that's particularly affecting, so it's important to choose the right person. And with her, they did that. Yeah. Because it, it she was summarized she was really all good. of that that we've seen before and added something more. So hearing number two, uh, last Monday, I think, yeah, yeah was um, focused largely on the big lie. Trump's claims and how much he tried to disseminate them and and how much he believed it to some extent as well. How much um, yeah. there was essentially everyone in his circle telling him he'd lost. Everyone except yeah. uh, a clearly inebriated Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> who was the one yeah. person on election day who was saying, um, just, just claim you've won. Just yeah. come out and say you've won. And it'll be fine. And and obviously, because Trump is a complete narcissist, the only person out of everyone who was saying, you've probably won, is the one he believed. All yeah. of the people with actual political experience and expertise who were saying, it's not looking good, you know, you get ready to concede. He was like, "Oh no, yeah. they don't know what they're talking about." Drunk Rudy over here. He, he's he the guy. Really knows he's saying about. the things I want to hear. That's right. Yeah, he's not telling lies. He's not holding back. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> no, and of course, Rudy, knowing that he's a narcissist, is thinking, "Right, if I tell him this, then there's probably going to be money in it." Yeah, yeah. but yeah. then, then Rudy, not knowing Trump as we do, is he's never going to pay him that money. It'll oh, go, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the witnesses for this one were um, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Georgia, B.J. Pack, uh, former Philadelphia City Commissioner Al Schmidt, and election attorney Benjamin Ginsburg. And they were basically, in their testimony, just kind of arguing back, debunking the, the all of the the claims that people were making about you know, ballots being delivered in the middle of the night yeah. about all of the the crazy claims that were um, fought back against at every lawsuit that, that Trump lost in the months yeah. following the election. Yeah. Um, all of the claims that were being made by people like Giuliani and by Sidney Powell and people like that. Um, and just kind of randoms, people who were posting things online. And, and as we've seen more recently, Trump was just picking up any any bullshit theory anyone put on the internet and he was yeah. like oh look into this um yeah when we get yeah. to to hearing five and there and he was talking to the doj it seems like their job for several weeks at least after the election was just to chase down any nonsense thing he read yeah, on the yeah. internet <laughs> yeah but yes about about the the voting machines yeah. and then the routers and then the so the Satellite, <laughs> yeah, the Italian satellites, Jesus yeah, God. yeah. Um, Jesus so we heard in this one also dis uh, depositions from Eric Hirschman, who was um, former White House attorney, who seems to like saying things in funny ways and then relaying how funny he was when he said them. Um, like, <laughs> like when when he told John Eastman, um, you know, I I'm just I'm going to give you the best legal advice you've ever had. Free, get a fucking good lawyer. You're going to need one and, and stuff like that. So yeah, um, he seemed uh, unsympathetic towards Trump's claims 
um, and um, was just saying basically all the time, no, this is this is bullshit. None of this is true. The stuff you want to do is illegal. Um, and yeah. and to some extent, part of what they were trying to do in these hearings was show that Trump knew that the stuff he was claiming was a lie, knew that the things he wanted Pence to do were illegal, and yeah. and pressed ahead anyway. Um, and and therefore can be prosecuted essentially for obstruction of justice, uh, you know, defrauding the yeah. U.S. and yeah, it, probably inciting yeah. Yeah. a riot and all of that kind of stuff. Because he was he was equipped with the the yeah the best legal advice and Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. So he, yeah. <laughs> and his so best he, defense, which he has claimed, is. Even though literally everyone I ever hired who knew what they were talking about told me it was told false, yeah. I refused to believe them. Therefore, I can't be held responsible. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, it's the same. It's the same uh, Boris Johnson defence, isn't it? I didn't know it was a party. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was assured that we, everything was done within the rules. Even if it was a party, nobody told me that it was. But nobody told me I wasn't allowed to have a party. As nobody well. told me. Yeah. Nobody told me I wasn't. You were the one that made the value rules up. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there. It wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The shaggy defence, basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, hearing number three was about the pressure that was put on Mike Pence to subvert the real electors on January sixth and choose the fake slates of electors that yeah, had just yeah. been randos who had claimed to be electors and then put yeah. things forward on because they were not even headed to... paper. They just, like, faxed something through saying, we are electors honest. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Aren't we? In, but, yeah, yeah, misspelt. Yeah, my mum says I'm an elector. Yeah, <laughs> um, signed, signed by <laughs> my mum. Yeah. Um, and the, the witnesses for this one were Greg Jacob, who was um, Mike Pence's chief counsel, and yeah. former federal judge Michael Lutig, who was the slowest speaker <laughs> you've <Yeah>. ever <laughs> heard. Well, he kind of tried to <laughs> imbue it with some um, gravitas. Kind and of, actually, it, yeah. I think claimed... that's what he thought. He, he thought he was yeah. being bloody. Um, uh, no, Ironside. No, not Ironside. Who was Matlock? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he claimed afterwards he was trying. He was, yeah. you know, choosing his words extremely carefully, and I can I can understand that. Yeah, I think he was just choosing them extremely slowly. He was yeah. choosing them extremely slowly. Yeah, but they weren't. Yeah, you know, when 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 he got to the words, they weren't. They weren't anything out of the ordinary well it was <laughs> it was difficult that's the thing is it was so slow and so halting and so yeah. weird that it was yeah. quite hard to remember how the sentence started when the he gang. finished it yeah yeah i did have to watch a lot of it on 1.35 yeah. speed uh, cecil from the cognitive dissonance podcast put yeah. on he he's also a video guy incidentally and he oh. um edited out all the pauses mm-hmm. and put that up on uh, the Cognitive Dissonance YouTube channel. So, so nice. check yep. that out. Yep. If you watched the Lutig testimony and thought, what yep. the fuck was that about? I can't yeah. even... I couldn't take it in. Which, <laughs> yeah. I genuinely... I've I mean, aged tremendously. I, having watched the, 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 the version on the Cognitive Dissonance YouTube channel, 
it yeah. made a lot more sense. I got a lot more out of it, and it and I understood what he was saying. Right. There were there were significant parts during Lutig's actual live testimony that I was like, I just, I mean, apart from losing the will to live, <laughs> genuinely yeah. losing the thread of what he was trying to say. And he was he was some to some extent going around in circles. I mean, he's a he's a retired judge. He's kind of trying very hard to make sure that he he words things correctly without any ambiguity. Yeah. Um, in the yeah. same way, as as I said, as we claimed that Mueller was doing when Republicans were claiming that Mueller was yeah. had a stroke or had a speech impediment or something like that, and he was yeah. um, senile because he wasn't speaking properly. And, and we yeah. we who watched that were saying, what he's doing is trying not to give a soundbite that yeah. can be used to to say something that is the opposite of what he's trying yeah. to say. Yeah. He's trying to choose his words carefully so that he doesn't need to then clarify them later. Um, yeah. And I think, honestly, that is probably what Lutig was trying to do. It came across very weirdly. Yeah. and um, but, but the points that he was making and the points that Greg Jacob was making were largely the same, which is that Pence just did not have the, mm. uh, the legal yeah. precedent or legal ability to do what was being asked of him by nope. John Eastman and by Cheesebro, who came up in this particular hey, um, hearing. Yeah. And both of them were very clear on that. And as it turns out, so was John Eastman by the time it came around to January 6th. He, he knew that full well. Yeah. We also saw the deposition of Eastman, or we saw a bit of it because there's no point watching much of it because he just pled the fifth uh, yeah. over 100 times. Um, well, he said, he said the word... And he, yeah, he yeah. Kind of, that's all you yeah. after you've said it initially his... you just say fifth and that's fine oh, i would have made yeah. him say it every <laughs> single time just to yeah. piss him off i would have asked could... questions that could potentially have been answered with the word fifth fifth yeah <laughs> in a kind of two ronnie's yeah. mastermind sketch yeah, exactly type thing. <laughs> yeah 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 what's the measure the standard measurement <laughs> of one shot of whiskey in a uk pub uh-huh Fifth. So, yes. um, but they didn't do that as far as we saw, at least. They may have done it yeah. and just not showed that clip. But um, but what they did show was yeah. an email from Eastman when he said, uh, I've decided I should be on the pardon list if that is still in the works, yeah. which is fun. <laughs> which is kind of going, well, as soon as you've yeah. asked so nicely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Decided. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now, by, by <laughs> the authority invested in me by my own particular narcissism, I've decided. Now, yeah, the thing that... about pardons, this is something I will be asking uh, Andrew Torres if I ever get actually to speak to him, uh, is yeah. when you plead the fifth, then you, it's not allowed for the court to assume that there's any guilt implied by that. Even right. though, essentially, yeah. you are saying... I refuse to answer on the grounds I may incriminate, I may incriminate, incriminate myself. myself. Yes, yes. That very much implies there's something to incriminate. But, yes. But it's, it is not allowed to assume guilt based on that. Yeah. With pardons, if a pardon is offered to you and you accept it, yeah. the, the, courts, the, the precedent says that implies guilt. That, it, that yeah. is an implicit acceptance yes, exactly. of guilt if you accept there's, a pardon. Yeah, and the, and also there's an assumption that you're guilty of something. Otherwise, what are you asking to be pardoned? Well, that's my question because there is implicit, yeah. there is legally based implicit guilt if you accept a pardon. 
I don't right. know if you're yeah. allowed to assume someone is guilty of something if they, if they ask, ask for a pardon. Yeah. Because presumably if they're asking for a pardon, if it was offered, they would accept it, thereby implying yeah. guilt. Yeah. But, yeah. but I don't know if there's case law that says if you ask for a pardon, you're basically confessing to a crime. <laughs> yeah, I, yes, exactly. I can see that there is there's the implication there. So, otherwise, if if you've nothing to be pardoned for, I mean, you yeah. don't say, "I beg your pardon." If you don't burp <laughs> yeah. in polite company, uh-huh. so why would you beg for a pardon if you've not done anything yeah. that requires a pardon? Uh, and Eastman is far from the only person in these hearings who we will hear has yeah. Yeah. has asked oh, for a pardon. It's a it's a rogues gallery, isn't it? There's some familiar faces on there. Well, in the first hearing, we heard that Representative Scott Perry asked for a pardon. Representative Scott Perry and other Republican, and that was just a kind of tease for what yeah. we would hear later. Because you yeah. immediately want to go, yeah. Ooh, Ooh, what have who? they done? <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. Who are they and what yeah. have they done? And you go, yeah, I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect telegram, yeah, yeah, yeah. teleprogramming, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. keep watching because we'll find out. And I think the hearings have got kind of progressively better and more interesting since, from probably third one on at least, um, because the right. fourth one was about um, the pressure that was put on state officials and, and, and election mm-hmm. workers. Yeah, yeah. To find me 11,000 votes. Yeah, to. Yeah. to Make whatever attempts they could to overturn the election. Yeah, so, I quite liked it because it went from Pence, who, who we kind of don't really care about, but oh yeah. but the but that they and the intrigue surrounding that, and and most intriguing of all was John Eastman, who kind of just pled pled the fifth on. Yeah, so were you involved in the thing that said that who who <laughs> got to hear that Pence could do this in the first place? No, nope, can't yeah. do anything. But then to kind of spread it out to or to ordinary normal people, yeah, just, that were doing their job at the various counts and the impact that it has had on them because they were hounded by idiots, yeah, who you know and death threats and all that kind of stuff. So so again, it was nice casting. In a way, mm-hmm. you know, in in your, it, I guess you could talk about that in documentary terms. When you, you, you know, you cast somebody. Well, we've got Mike Pence, who is the, the yeah, we know about him. Nobody really cares about him. But what we're interested in is the people that were behind the, the inference that he could do something about it. That's the interesting bit there. But then to have these election workers, just anonymous election yeah, workers... Yeah who are just doing it as a job, that's what they do, and then they come in for this uh, uh, extraordinary abuse and you know, life-threatening yeah. abuse. I mean, first of all, we got um, testimony from Rusty Bowers, the um, mm-hmm. Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives, Republican yep. Speaker again, um, and uh, the other one was Brad Raffensperger, the um, mm. Georgia Secretary of State. They talked about all of the calls that they had had with Trump uh, where he was just trying to get them to say that there yeah. had been <laughs> yeah. um, massive yeah. fraud with no evidence. Yeah. Um, no, just, and say just, this yeah, just say this 11,000 times. It'll be fine. Um, yeah, we know about the call with Raffensperger where he was saying, you know, I only need 11,000 votes. Yeah. Um, even even though he was claiming, and this is something 
again, that the opening arguments guys say this is kind of one of the most slam dunk. Definitely, he committed a crime. This is we have the evidence, yeah. we have the intent, we have everything because it is a crime to ask someone to put down an incorrect number. Mm. Um, yeah. And he was specifically saying at the same time he was saying, "I won by by hundreds of thousands of votes." He in the same phone call he was saying, "Put down, you know, find me eleven thousand yeah. votes, yeah. eleven thousand seven hundred votes, whatever." Um, and and that in itself, just during the course of that phone call, is a prosecutable crime. Yeah. So, and they are um, working on that apparently in Georgia. So nice. Um, I'm just I'm just I'm just giving pause there for a moment. But the fact that none of this is anything from either of the impeachments. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. That's, this is other crimes. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. he fitted a lot in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was, yeah. It was but, a, yeah, a, Rusty Bowers was a great witness, again, largely because not only is he a Republican, yeah. uh, he still despite all of this stuff, says he'll vote for Trump again if he gets the, yeah. the nomination. So, so he's yeah. still a Trump supporter. Yeah. And yet, he, due to the pressure that he was under, people with guns were coming to his neighbours' houses while this was happening and everything was very stressful and his family was under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and, and everything and having to deal with all of this stuff. Um. And and it was incredibly difficult and unfair and and all he wanted to do was his job and yep. he was saying, you know, I'll I'll do all of the things I'm supposed to do, I'm not going to break my oath. I I won't mm. win by cheating. Yeah. Um and yeah. that's unacceptable to Trump, obviously. Um yeah. and, and yeah, similar from Raffensberger, who was just just kind of calmly telling Trump this yep. is not true. The stuff you're saying, there's no evidence for it. I'm not going to make up a number. Um, yeah, I don't. Ha we don't have any that basis that, yep. that I can yep. just claim that anything's been recalculated and and any of that. So yeah. After that, second half of that of hearing number four, um, we had um, actually a bit of Raffensperger after the after the recess, but then uh, two Georgia election workers or one. Mm. One and her mother, who was sitting behind, uh, yeah. Wandria Shea Moss, uh, and her mother, Ruby Freeman, who likes to be called uh, Lady Ruby. And they are just election workers. They were just yeah. people who, who helped out at the, you know, I don't know if they were volunteers or if it was a job that they did, but mm -hmm. they were just doing the job of, uh, you know, counting and helping people yeah. to to um, do whatever voting thing they needed to have explained to them and, and then do and whatever and they were kind of singled out by Giuliani and others yeah claiming that they had yep. been yep. essentially committing crimes mm. um and and they were then targeted by Trump supporters um they have subsequently sued Giuliani for defamation that yep. has not come to court yet but um I suspect will do quite well <laughs> yeah when it does yeah. um yeah. but yeah their story was heartbreaking and uh, it was just about people who genuinely are wanting to uh do their civic duty wanting to help 
people vote wanting to to you know be a part of this democratic process yeah. and and they were subjected to abuse by um you know death threats racial uh attacks um and abuse by by trump supporters yeah and orchestrated or you know, instigated by giuliani yeah yeah, in a, in a kind of so it is good that he's being held to account for that. Yeah, and and being sued for defamation because you, can, you just can't do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he thought, and, yeah, he thinks nothing of it. Yeah, yeah, just, absolutely. And it, uh, in that hearing, we also heard also, uh, from Gabe Sterling, who was deputy secretary of state in Georgia, who at the time, just after the election, um, when everything was kicking off, gave a. a press conference that went a bit viral um Ooh. in the uh the georgia capital i guess equivalent um where where he was talking about local election workers who had had death threats and and was very emotional and saying you know this this needs to stop everything was fine mm. the election was good we you know we did it all correctly and and yeah. you just oh, need yeah, to stop that. doing this. yeah yeah um yeah and but and so previously that was kind of the the story that we'd had about these local election workers and, and it was yeah. from his perspective. And then directly after that, we, we essentially heard from two actual workers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nice. So the fifth hearing was kind of wild. <laughs> it was, right. uh, this was the pressure that was put on the department of justice. Yeah. Um, and largely in the body of Trump wanting to, put jeff clark in uh the the top job at the doj because yep. jeff yep. clark who was a a kind of uh, well he's the head of the civil division at the doj so he wasn't a lowly employee but he was below right. uh the um attorney general at the time the acting attorney general jeff rosen the deputy attorney and attorney general uh richard donahue and and certainly in the civil division and the environmental division he would not have had anything to do with election law at all. Yeah. Um, Eric Hirschman, one of his amusing stories that he relayed right. about how he'd, he'd quipped to the guy, he said, the only things you know about election law and environment law is they both start with E, and based on the, the answers you've given, I'm not even sure you know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and um, Richard Donahue said at one point to... Uh, to Jeff Clark, um, you're an environmental lawyer. Go back to your office, and we'll call you when there's an oil spill. Nice. So they yeah. they did not think. No one thought. In fact, in in this big meeting that they had with uh, Pat Cipollone, Trump's uh, own lawyer, uh, Eric Hirschman, Jeff Rosen, Richard Donahue, Steve Engel, the um, assistant uh, attorney general for the Office of Legal Counsel, um, and and Jeff Clark. Um, no one thought that Clark was uh, competent to to right. lead the department, and the only reason he would have been given that role and and had it taken away from Jeff Rosen was because he's the only person who was prepared to send a letter to various states saying you need to certify different states of electors. Wow. You need to certify yeah. electors who are going to say Trump won. Yeah. Um, everyone else in the department was saying this is a lie it's not based on anything we're not going to send this letter yeah um and so and and base and it got to the point where the 
uh, Trump essentially offered him the job at the head of yeah. DOJ, and the White House call logs were um, calling him the the head of the the Attorney General, the acting Attorney General. Wow. Um, wow. And and it was that afternoon essentially when when um, he had gone to his boss Jeff Rosen and said by the way, Trump's asked me to do your job instead. And Jeff Rosen yeah. said, well, first of all, I'm not going to be fired by a subordinate. I want to speak to the president about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then yeah. they went to the, the White House. They had an extended meeting where they each said, if you do this, not only is it going to look awful for you, because yeah. he's a fucking idiot, um, yeah. we're all going to resign. And not just us, but basically every head of department in at uh, the Department of Justice and probably a good section of the US Attorney Generals around the country are going to yeah. resign because they won't work for this idiot. Yeah. And and Stephen Engel who is a appalling person. He's he's stood <laughs> by I mean he was he's been in the office of legal counsel since the beginning since since January 2017. Um yeah. and has authored a number of um awful Trump based opinions that right he can do things that he probably shouldn't have been able to do. yeah yeah but but yeah. this is where he drew the line and oh, engel wow. told him that um not only is everyone going to leave but the story isn't going to be that um the department of justice has written to the the states to get them to change their states of electors it's going to be that you fired everyone until you found the one guy who would send this letter who would do it yes Yes, yes. Um, and that's not going to yeah. look good for you. And at, and at that yeah. point, that was what made Trump go, okay, All right, fair I won't. It, I won't it will actually it. come back to me. Yeah. Yes, people will associate me with this. Yeah. So there it is. That, that's, there's another actual active link. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. And if it hadn't been for the people at the top of the DOJ mm. um, saying, we're not doing this, this is unacceptable it would have taken another step towards um, the election being overthrown, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good that there are outposts of integrity, even even if they are on the right wing. But that's, you know, that's... Yeah, it, I, yeah we dream of that over here in the UK. <laughs> Those little outposts yeah. of integrity. Wow. Yeah. And then it was at the end of the fifth hearing that we got the list of Republican Congress people who had yeah. asked for a presidential pardon, and that list included uh, Mo Brooks, Andy yeah. Biggs from Arizona, Louis Goma, Scott Perry, and Matt Gates. Um, uh, Matt Gates, uh, yeah. Eric Hirschman said he he had asked for a very broad pardon. He'd asked for a pardon <laughs> from the beginning of time <laughs> to today for any wow, and all any things. <laughs> Which <laughs> he which, had suge done. which suggests wow. that, that Matt Gates has a time machine and has done some very fucked up things. Very with fucked up stuff. Yeah. Um, yes. Exactly. <laughs> Cassidy oh Hutchinson, God. who who we will yeah. talk about in a moment, the uh, Mark Meadows um, White House aide, she said that Matt Gates had been asking for a pardon or asking to be included in you know suggesting this blanket pardons yeah. since the beginning of December, and she said I don't know why. Because presumably she doesn't know that he's also being investigated for sex trafficking. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be very convenient for Matt Gates to have got a pardon. He didn't get one, fortunately, but but he was. Um, well, 
He was angling yeah. for one very early on in the process. <laughs> and quite a broad one, please. <laughs> just just write anything on there that we don't yeah. need to specify the the particular crimes I may have committed. Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah, like, yeah, don't need no need to ask you because it's just put everything. It's yeah. like literally the blank check. Yeah. Because you know, and if if someone came to you and asked asked for that, so well yeah, well I'm thinking of you know, extending the presidential pardon <laughs> for the, some of these things that I, I'm really sorry I made you do. And the only way I can kind of keep you free of it, you know, and take the blame myself is if I pardon you and then I will go under the sword. Not that that will ever happen. I'm giving Trump far too much integrity. <laughs> but but to, for, the, for the guy then to put his hand up and go... Yeah, could you just take several other hundred million yeah. years into account as <laughs> just well? Don't, don't specify you know. just stuff in January. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you yeah. kind of it would give you pause, wouldn't it? It would kind of go, mm, mm, okay, <laughs> uh, okay. Let me let me think about that. Let me think about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. after the fifth hearing, the committee said that they were going to um, postpone the the rest of the hearings until July. Yeah. Um, yep. Because they had had um, some new witnesses Enough. come forward, more <laughs> evidence, and they wanted to kind of consolidate it all before they mm. they did their summing up and their next their next hearings. But then yep. today, the twenty eighth, they yep. um, decided that they were going to have a, a new surprise hearing, just because they had something they really wanted to tell people about. <laughs> right, it was a new witness, new information had come forward, new evidence. Yeah, and. Uh, it turned out the witness is Cassidy Hutchinson, who is um, mm. a, a White House aide. She's the, she's the first White House staffer to have testified in, in the public hearings. We've seen uh, deposition footage of her before. She was deposed several times based on the fact that she was in kind of different locations in various video clips. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was um, essentially Mark Meadows' assistant uh, he, when he right. was chief of staff to Trump. Yeah, and among the things that she talked about today were the preparations within the White House for January sixth. Some of the meetings that that had come from Giuliani being in the Oval Office and talking about stuff with with Mark Meadows. Meadows saying on January second that uh, stuff on January sixth quote might get real bad. So, right. so they knew, you know, the, to to the extent that anyone has claimed, which they have, that it was just a thing. It was a protest that got out of hand, and no one knew that it was, you know, what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't something that was planned in advance. It wasn't, you know, they didn't have any coordination with the Proud Boys and and all of that stuff. They were well aware as early as January second, uh, probably earlier. Wow, wow. what stuff yeah. was likely to happen and how bad it might get. That was the first thing that I, when I was watching it made me sit up and go, "Ooh, that's interesting." Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. There was also uh, the fact that in the speech that Trump gave before the insurrection at the ellipse, when they were standing in the kind of in the marquee getting ready to go on, he was pissed off about the size of the crowd, which is right. totally on brand. Yeah, yeah. But but the yeah. reason the crowd within the ellipse 
was not as big as it might otherwise have been was because they had metal detectors for people who wanted to go into the ellipse. People could watch the speech from the mall, from further back. And that was what a large number of people were choosing to do. They didn't have a capacity problem within the ellipse. They wanted more people to go in. But when people went in, they were um, confiscating weapons from them. They were confiscating... They confiscated knives, bear spray, knuckle dusters, various other things... Yeah. Uh, batons and things from people who were coming through what they called the mags, the magne- mm. magnetometers or whatever, um, right. the metal yep. detectors. Yep. And um, and so basically anyone who wanted to come into the ellipse could come into the ellipse, but they had to give up their weapons. Yep. And a large crowd um, in, in which the capital identified a number of Glocks and AR-15s and other things wow. did not did, want to come through the metal detectors. Yeah. Um, at which, when he was informed of this, Trump said he didn't care about the weapons. He said, mm. um, get rid of the fucking mags. They're not here to hurt me. Mm. So he wanted mm. the crowd to be bigger, yeah. Yeah. and he didn't care that they were armed because he oh. knew that, they weren't, after that they weren't after him. They were planning to go somewhere else afterwards. Yeah, yeah. He well, said, they're not here for me. Yes. They can march to the capital from here, he said. Wow. Wow. Um, so, uh, again, part of the thing that they're trying to do with these, these hearings is establish the mens rea, the, the intent that Trump had, yeah. The, yeah. His, his awareness of the shit that was going to happen and his unwillingness to prevent any of it. And and I think that goes some way to establishing some of that. Um, they also yeah. talked about his desire to go down to the Capitol. Because uh, he said in his speech, I'll, you will march down to the Capitol, I'll be there with you. Initially, I thought yeah. that was just big words and he never had any yeah. intention to do that. But they yeah, have yeah. they spoke to a number of people who said, no, he totally wanted to do it. He'd been trying to get people to, to let him do it for days. Wow. And Pat Cipollone and other uh, White House counsel were were warning him against it and saying, "No, this opens you up to real liability. Um, you yeah. definitely, definitely yeah. don't want to do it. It's yeah. fe- it's a very bad idea, especially given that at this point they knew the stuff that was probably going to go down. They were saying you do not want to be there. Yes, but even at the point of the speech, when he said." you know, march down to the Capitol after this, I'll be there with you. He was still convinced that he had been able to to get his people to agree that he could go down there. So when he got in the beast, his presidential limo, he thought they were going down to the Capitol. Oh, wow. And uh, so when he was told by his his, uh, security detail that they were going back to the White House, he tried to grab the steering wheel of the beast. No shit. What? And and had to he had to be restrained by a secret service agent who grabbed his arm who he then physically assaulted in the limo. Whoa. Whoa. This is directly told to Cassidy Hutchinson by that secret service agent. Wow. So he he really wanted to be he there. He really wanted when, to go. When yeah. these people were Good attacking God. the capital. 
but they wow they told him he had to go back to the white house he said i'm the fucking president take me to the capital wow. but they did not wow we so so some interesting stuff came out in today's yeah <laughs> Yes. And and but, but, finally, yeah. the last bits that came out were the fact that both Mike Meadows and Rudy Giuliani also asked for pardons. Mm. So add them to the list. Yeah. The ever-growing list. Wow. Bloody hell. I can't, yeah, I can't believe that. The, the contretemps in the limo. Wow. It's great, isn't it? So when is the next episode? Uh, it it hasn't been scheduled yet. It will be right. sometime in July. It, I imagine it'll probably be a couple of weeks. Um, right. They, um, Benny Thompson made a kind of plea at the end, essentially saying, you know, look at this woman here, Cassidy Hutchinson. Look yeah. how brave she's been in standing up for yeah. what, you know, her civic duty is and, and yeah. saying all this stuff, knowing, it impl- implied, he didn't say this, but knowing that she's inevitably going to get a lot of shit for it. Um, yeah. You know, if this has jogged the memory of anyone who has claimed right. they don't remember stuff to us yeah. before, or made you feel, made you find some courage somewhere, our door is open. Come and talk to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there, yeah, they've had they've yet. had people who have essentially pled the fifth or claimed they don't remember stuff or mm. refused to talk mm. to them. Liz Cheney at the end pl- showed a couple of messages from people because they they asked the witnesses, "Has anyone?" talk to you about your testimony today and has right. tried to influence you in any way. Yeah, yeah. And she showed a couple of the, the things that people have answered to that, which is essentially, yes. People have, have kind of talked to them and said, you know, remember that that these, you know, people are watching these. They know if you're, if you're loyal, you know, if, you're, if you do the right thing, if you say the right thing, you'll yeah. be treated well and that kind of stuff. And essentially witness tampering. Um, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, they they are trying to use um, these hearings to not only, as we've said, tell the story, tell the stories to the people and to yeah. the DOJ, um, but also to encourage people with any other information to come forward. And it, and I, I think that seems like what happened with with Cassidy Hutchinson. You know, she she gave her depositions. I imagine that after the first four or five hearings, she contacted them and said. I'm I'm prepared to speak publicly. You know, I'm prepared to to wow. be deposed. Uh, be brand new live. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. To be honest, it's been a pretty shitty month for fundamental rights. The Supreme Court tried Trump's tactic of doing so many awful things at once that nobody can possibly pay attention to all of them. So in their last two weeks of term, the Supreme Court ruled that certain federal agents can assault you and there's not much you can do about it, that taxpayers in Maine have to fund private Christian schools because of religious freedom, that public school teachers can now lead their students in prayer during school events, and that being informed of your right to remain silent and your right to an attorney isn't all that important after all. Also, they decided that gun control is too important for states to decide, and then one day later decided that states deciding who gets the right to an abortion is the only logical option. So, if you have an unwanted pregnancy, the court's view is that you have to have the baby, but thanks to a complete lack of gun control, the problem will work itself out by the time the kid gets to elementary school. I think I have a solution, though. All we have to do is come up with a method of abortion that involves shooting the fetus with a tiny AR-15, and I'm pretty sure Republicans will be on board. 
Arguably, the GOP is now over-delivering on Sarah Huckabee Sanders' pledge last month when she said, quote, We will make sure that when a kid is in the womb, they're as safe as they are in a classroom. Mm. She said that, by the way, on the day of the Uvalde school shooting. But it wasn't just unfortunate timing slash depressingly inevitable that there happened to be a school shooting on the day she said it. The shooting happened first, hours before Sanders decided classrooms were the best example of a safe space for tiny humans. So we all watched the second series of Picard, didn't we? A grand time-travelling psychodrama of operatic proportions with the much-celebrated return of Q who reappeared while facing his own demise to bring about huge changes on behalf of a floundering Arizona congressional candidate called Ron Watkins. Uh, no, no, wait a minute. Life, as ever, has a habit of emulating art. I hesitate to say the word real, but the real Q we know about through QAnon conspiracy theory, which everyone, of course, denies, because where's the arrest of Hillary, Biden, all the paedophile ring within Hollywood? Resurrection of John F. Kennedy, etc., etc. Oh, look, nowhere. Yeah, better keep a distance from all that shiz. Well, he's back. Big whoops of direction to sheep-like joy when Q dropped a post saying, let's play a game. Back on 8Con the other day, followed by, lols, soz, had to be done this way, BTW. Well, yeah, my tax slang I added for deprecating effects. When everyone said, where you been? We need you. To do exactly what is unclear. However, fellow 4chan, 8chan, 8kun, Q psychodrama actor Frederick Brennan thinks something's a bit off because the trip codes Q used to identify that he was the same guy posting, though anonymously, appeared again after two years, despite 8kun administrator Ron Watkins, yep, him, the congressional wannabe, said those codes change automatically every month. So Fred knows it's Ron. We know it's Ron. His dad, Jim, denies it's Jim because he was giving a speech on Truth Tour and who are we to doubt that? So, yeah, it's Ron, always was. He's doing the reverse of John Eastman and actually is using himself to incriminate himself less than 40 days before the Arizona primary. Because when he's posted the same stuff as Q, as plain old Ron, no one listened. Look, unless you're the Borg Queen melded with a geeky AI scientist, Ron, no one gives a shit about what you have to say and who believe you if you say you were Q all along. You're really going to need to use the Picard manoeuvre after all. We've talked before about the many lies Georgia GOP Senate candidate and former Heisman Trophy winner Herschel Walker has told on the campaign trail. This month, you can add claiming he was a member of law enforcement in Cobb County, a claim the Cobb County Police Department has denied. It's no surprise that these lies have had little impact on the Republican voter base, since honestly, they seem to prefer being lied to. It's almost a fetish for them at this point. Even the fact that he seems to think there are 52 states, since he suggested that if Stacey Abrams doesn't like it in Georgia, there are 51 other states she could move to, doesn't make a dent in his electability. The weird thing is, his popularity among religious folk even though he's running against a literal Christian pastor. Walker spoke at the Faith and Freedom Coalition the day before Father's Day at the end of a week of revelations about the three secret children he had had out of wedlock in different relationships, one of whom he only supports financially because the mother sued him for child support. The good Christians at the Faith and Freedom Coalition apparently don't mind a bit of hypocrisy either since Walker regularly rebukes black men in general for creating fatherless homes by abandoning their children. 
Of course, to anyone who's been paying attention for the last 2,000 years, it's not actually surprising that conservative Christians value the conservatism more than the Christianity. And that's why conference attendee Paulina McFoy claims Walker is a good candidate because he, quote, stands for family. And Faith and Freedom founder Ralph Reed said, I've never seen a candidate that open about his faith. Again, he's running against a literal Christian pastor. (laughs) Not happy with banning books, calling teachers paedophile groomers and likening equal rights for the LGBTQ plus community as the end of civilization as they know it. Right wing commentators, of course, are having a go at Pixar's light year now. Perez Hilton tweeted as a reminder to all sentient beings watching the film that Lightyear is banned in multiple countries over a gay kiss. Cartoons kissing, y'all. That's some commitment to homophobia. Well, never ones to balk at looking fascistically committed in the name of suppression of anyone's rights but their own. Talk radio host Larry O'Connor responded that Disney has decided to warp its credibility with parents everywhere by letting us know that even its cartoons are no longer free from content that might be objectionable. Yeah, keep up, Larry, where you've been. Disney decided in the 50s that Donald Duck could walk around bottomless whilst Mickey had to wear pants. And it was fine for a man to make a boy out of wood and take it on biblically-flavoured whale gullet adventures. More self-incriminating irony from American conservatives Ron Dreher, who accused Disney of appeasing the woke mob that wants to sexualise children and trying to turn popular art into culture war propaganda. When he's doing exactly that. Amit Paley, the CEO of the Trevor Project, an LGBTQ plus youth advocacy organisation, warns that the resurgent of regressive anti-LGBTQ attacks that seek to smear adults, including parents, teachers, counsellors and doctors who affirm and support LGBTQ youth, is incredibly dangerous and diverts attention away from the critical work being done to prevent and address actual child abuse and sexual assault perpetrated against LGBTQ youth. But hey, conservatives don't care as long as they get all the rights and everyone else gets none so they can stay in power and not have to listen to actual public opinion to infinity and beyond. Back in episode 96, we talked a bit about Tina Peters, the county elections clerk who committed seven felonies and three misdemeanours in an attempt to prove how easy it is to get away with election tampering by copying and then publishing the contents of voting machine hard drives. Incidentally, as we record this episode, people are voting on whether to make Tina the Republican candidate for Secretary of State for Colorado. Thanks to some New York Times reporting this week, Miss Peters has now been linked to two other prominent election conspiracy theorists. It seems her legal defence is being paid for by friend of the show and Mario after he's eaten a rotten mushroom, Mike Lindell. <laughs> that relationship has been public for a while now. She even appeared on stage at Lindell's cyber symposium in which he proved once and for all that not one of the cyber experts he paid millions of dollars to knows what a packet capture actually is. The revelation in the Times article, though, was that Miss Peters also knows Colorado Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. In fact, she claims it was Boebert who encouraged her to go forward with the scheme to image the machine's hard drive. Lauren is also in a primary race today, where the polls close in about an hour. But Mm -hmm. win or lose, it sounds like she might get to add accessory before the fact to her already impressive rap sheet. (laughs) Nice. For a man who upholsters sleep... Fat comedy Rupert Pupkin, Mike Lindell, just can't keep quiet. 
anyone would think he's running for office or courting the popular vote or, or something. Why else would he have no qualms about committing the old reductio ad Hitlerum fallacy? Walmart has decided from now on to only sell Mike's Mike pillows online and no longer in store. This, of course, according to Lindell, is cancel culture gone mad. Likening himself to everyone who had their right-wing conspiracy-riddled accounts on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, etc. blocked on January 7th, you know, after the attempted coup by Trump's acolytes, he said, this is like Nazi Germany, but expanded no further as to why. Incensed that his overpriced, overstuffed Bontz cushions would not be carried in store, he declared that they were Walmart's biggest product, the biggest of all time, again, citation required, and got so angry after the Zoom call with Walmart informing of their decision that he shut the computer. (laughs) Jesus, Walmart, be careful. Still, they have retail colleagues to help them over the trauma. Costco pulled my pillows products, as did Bed Bath and Beyond, QVC, JCPenney, and Wayfair. In February, Lindell also told Insider one of his banks had cut ties with him, citing him as a reputation risk. Open your eyes, Mikey. Can't you see when you're in bed with the likes of Trump peddling his nightmare election ball batshittery? Is it any wonder no one wants to wake up with your horsey head in their bed? I have to admit, when I heard Rudy Giuliani got slapped in a Staten Island supermarket, I was pretty excited. (laughs) I was picturing a Will Smithian attack, and then I found out there was video of the incident. It's a great angle too. It unmistakably shows the ShopRite employee walking up to Rudy and patting him lightly on the back, as if America's mayor was choking on a pretzel, and this guy wanted to be able to say he'd tried, but didn't want to hit him hard enough that the pretzel would actually dislodge, and then he'd have to live with the fact that he'd saved Rudy's life. It's the kind of careful pat on the back you'd use to burp a baby who is particularly prone to throwing up all over you. Of course, that's not how Rudy described it all before he knew there was a video. And all of a sudden, I feel a shot on my back. Like somebody shot me. I I went forward, but luckily I didn't fall down. Lucky I'm a 78-year-old in pretty good shape. Because if I wasn't, I'd have hit the ground and probably cracked my skull. You can't blame Rudy, he's never experienced a pat on the back before because he's never done anything to deserve one. But given how wildly inaccurate his account of this incident was, I'm beginning to doubt his election fraud claims. (laughs) But in case you think Rudy reached the limits of exaggeration, that honour goes to the Twitter account Republicans for National Renewal, who tweeted, This was an assassination attempt on a great patriot by a radical leftist terrorist. Wow. I really wish I could tell you this is a parody account, but unless they've been really fucking deep cover for over a couple of years as a 501c3 that hosts events at CPAC, this is real. I'm still not completely ruling it out since they did manage to misspell Merry Christmas on a poster advertising their Christmas party last year. (laughs) Sending messages. In miserable, cut-off, xenophobic, slowly disintegrating, strike-bound, energy-poor, fat-cat-rich, increasingly irrelevant, blighty this week, Boris underwent routine nasal surgery. Presumably, Geppetto hacked the usual 15-foot extension of mistruth-based proboscis off his face again. Apart from lying about trying to get his then-girlfriend Carrie a job in government or the royal family, or lying about encouraging pay restraint and then okaying a removal of pay caps for bankers, 
the Tories lied about how it didn't matter that they lost two by-elections, one of which Boris was at great Trump-like pains to say they'd won with a big majority only the year before. Like, that counts. Devoted folks in his party had voted that they had every confidence in him in the vote of no confidence he survived last week, expressed feigned surprise and buyer's remorse, and either resigned or, true to form, looked to change the rules so that they could have another go at ousting him. Unabashed, Boris talked of undergoing no psychological shift, ignoring anyone whose opinions he didn't like, including the voters in Wakefield and Honiton and Tiverton, and indeed spoke of his plans of a third term in office whilst standing on the beach commanding the tide to go back. Meanwhile, determined to refocus the nation's Boris weaponised nostalgia away from Vera Lynn, White Cliffs, Ricketts, Diphtheria and white supremacists, sorry, the Queen's platitudes, Sir Paul McCartney reminded the world of all the good things born in the 60s, well, other than the current government, that is, by playing a three-hour set at Glastonbury consisting of every single song everyone innately knows the words to ever, all of which were written by him. If you find yourself in times of trouble, remember Stormzy came to we, speaking words of wisdom. Fuck Boris. So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know if you had a good time. Please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump just like our strawman level patrons Steve Bickle Schmutz, Mark Reiki, and Abba R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman level patrons Kaz Tui, Andrew Hauk, Max Beaver, and our top patron Lauren. Thanks very much for your patronage, everyone. It really is very much appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallacious trump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump. We'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.